this week on the Divided Opinion Podcast. It's going to be a transfer special. I'm basically going to go through each Premier League team, assess their window, maybe what they needed, what they got, what they didn't get. I mean, it's always been so hard to sign real sort of fortune-changing players in January. I think they're very rare and hard to come by. You've seen... Yeah, no, you, you really are the gift that keeps on giving me. Where do you get insight like that from? Like, what other <laughs> podcast is going to know that? Good player, really good young player. Is he? Only yeah. because I... And, only, the only reason I know that is because I signed him on a Porto career <laughs> last season and uh, he did really well. When you're on a run like that and you've got that momentum, crazy things can happen. Yeah. I mean, I've seen Mark Albrighton and Danny Simpson win a Premier League title off momentum. <laughs> Anything can happen. Hello and welcome back to season two, episode 19 of the Divided Opinion podcast. My name's Joel, and as always, Westy joins me in the Divided Opinion studios. How are you, Westy? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, mate. How are you? Yeah, all good, all good. good. Same old, really. Same old. We're going to be talking about the January transfer window today. It's going to be a transfer special. We're basically going to go through each Premier League team, assess their window, maybe what they needed what they got, what they didn't get, and we're going to talk about how it'll affect their season coming up. Um, we're just going to, yeah, I'm just going to go through it quick fire and we'll get Westy's opinions and then maybe going to, at the end of the episode, go through our favourite of the window. Maybe not just exclusive to the Premier League and then also maybe a few of our best ever ones of all time. Does that sound good to you, West? Sounds brilliant, mate. Let's get into it. Yeah, let's get straight into it. Obviously, we'll start with Arsenal. No incomings as yet with Arsenal. We've seen a few names linked. I think Arthur Mello at mm-hmm. Juve. Um, obviously, I think you posted about that. So, yeah. what's kind of the situation there? Obviously, it seems to have called really that kind um, of the talks there, hasn't it? What I'm hearing is that Arsenal are still really keen on taking him. Um, I think Juve would be keen on offloading him as well. Um, but they've just got to find a replacement, really. That's the only thing holding the deal back. So, Providing mm. they they can't find a replacement in the next four or five days, and it it might not happen until the summer, but I think it's still one that Arsenal fans could be hopeful about. Is it's Allegri, isn't it? At Juve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As he seems to have a bit of a kind of a conundrum going on, doesn't he, in centre midfield? Because I've seen links. There's Bedtancor has been linked to Villa. I don't know how much truth there is to that. I think one a Villa scout was at his last game or something, but apparently he played. He was their best midfielder in the last game. Obviously, Aaron Ramsey is a, doesn't seem to get into the team and there was talk about him coming back to the Premier League possibly, but that doesn't seem to be happening. Mm-hmm. And then Arthur Mello, it seems to have not really gone quite right for him since since joining from Barcelona. Um, but it'd be interesting to see what happens there because I think you might see someone leave, maybe if it is Aaron Ramsey. Yeah. I'm surprised. If you look at Arsenal, like what they need, and maybe they don't want it seen as maybe a step back for Ramsey and for Arsenal but if you look at what they need obviously they've got Thomas Partey they need someone next to Thomas Partey don't they like box to box and you'd think Aaron Ramsey would kind of fit that 
yeah. fit the bill really yeah definitely um I saw Allegra in a press conference last week and he, he confirmed that Ramsey would leave the club before the the window ends. So where that will be, I'm not sure. Obviously, you've seen Premier League links and I even saw some links to Cardiff in the Championship. I don't know whether that would be something it's that... It's former side, isn't it? Yeah, it's former side, but it'd be difficult to see how... He'd have to take one hell of a pay cut for that to happen. I mean, he's on £400,000 a week at Juve. So, what um, is that about? I, I didn't. What? I didn't understand at the time. I didn't ever think it was the right signing for for him or or Juve. But yeah, it's just not worked out. Obviously, injuries have plagued his time there as, as it did in the Premier League. But yeah, it's, it's just never clicked for him there. And like you say with Juventus, it's Allegri's come back into a team that's it's it's in a bit yeah, like you say, a bit of a conundrum. They've just got a, lo- a load of aging players. They're trying to mix them in now with a few younger, more youthful bit more youthful talent but mm. it's still a bit unbalanced there and they need a big sort of revamp and sort of go back to basics and really start a new new project yeah. there yeah well obviously we'll stick as well with Arsenal and Juve obviously a big rumour and something that I think the Arsenal fans were really hopeful for were was Dusan Flavic or Vlahovic however you say it he's obviously gone to Juventus now or he is in the process of going uh, they've had a bit accepted I think that in personal terms, going into personal terms now, how big of a loss do you think that is to Arsenal, and how big of a gain is it to Juventus? Do you think this Vlahovic is is the real deal? Yeah, definitely. You I mean he's one of the best strikers up and coming in Europe. I mean, there's it wouldn't be silly to suggest that he's sort of close on the level of someone like Erling Haaland. Obviously, mm. not as talked about because maybe Syria isn't a isn't broadcasted and sort of known to to English viewers as much and around the world, but he's, he's really... not quite as freakish, is he? As Haaland? no, like, no, the numbers aren't as freakish. It's just he's yeah. he's more of just a, a standard striker. I feel he seems yeah. like a bit of a a striker from the past. A bit. Yeah, he does. He's he's very sort of traditional striker. But in terms of Arsenal, I mean, from what I was hearing the whole time, that I don't think they can be too sort of disheartened because I don't think Vlavic was never. He was never really keen on moving to Arsenal, and mm. like and you never ever, no matter how good a player is, I mean you've seen it so many times in with sort of Man United, and you do not want to be signing players that aren't actually keen on coming to your club in the first place. No, it's just it just never works out. And but for Juventus, it's a great signing, and it's just what they needed to start off this sort of new revolution that they're trying to build there. And but it's a mm. it's an interesting one really because. Signing for Juventus from Fiorentina, it's in Italy. It's sort of viewed as it'd be like signing for Tottenham from Arsenal. Really? There's so there's a lot of hatred at, at that between the two clubs, and Fiorent and Valavich will he'll struggle to sort of be remembered fondly by Fiorentina yeah, fans. I think there was a sense that the the situation was going a little bit sour, and from what I'd heard with the club, and there was issues with the agent as well being quite outspoken and I know that Vlahovic had made it very clear that he wasn't going to sign a new contract but it, yeah no just going back to Arsenal and Juventus in terms of the the move for Vlahovic I think it's is the perfect one really because I just thought him going into Arsenal he's going in he's obviously a big fish in a small pond right now but I don't see there being much change if he went to Arsenal because if you look at that squad it's it's a young squad as well and maybe that would be ideal. He's a young player; he can develop with the team. But you'd think he'd go there, and he's already the best player. 
he's already the guy leading the team, but he goes to Juventus, and they might not be the team they used to be, but they've still got the likes of Benucci, Chiellini, these players around the camp that can help him and help him develop, and I think it will be perfect. If In terms of Arsenal now, how big of a... How, how much do they need a striker, first and foremost? Obviously, it's well documented, the, the situation with Aubameyang. We've seen Lacazette come in, and he's not really... He's not really cut it, let's be honest. He's a good player, he's an honest player, he works hard, but output-wise, it's just not on the level of a, an Arsenal striker. Do you see maybe a Alexander Isaac coming in? Or is Dominic, Dominic Calvert-Lewin maybe? Or is that a bit too optimistic in January, do you reckon? Yeah, I think the people you've just mentioned there, and it, I mean, it's always been so hard to sign sort of real... Real sort of fortune-changing players in January. I think they're very rare and hard to come by. You've seen a few in the past, but never. But you've for someone like Calvert Lewin or Alexander Isaac, you're going to have to sort of wait for the summer. And it sort of poses a question with Arsenal's hopes of they may be sort of wiltering a little bit now of Champions League football. You'd feel that they definitely need to sign someone in the coming days to give themselves yeah. a proper chance. And obviously, I don't think. Arsenal fans would have gone into the season hoping to get top four because it was probably just a little bit unrealistic. But I think in the positions they've got themselves in up until a few weeks ago, they would have they would have been confident. And that's all they're missing, really. It's just a sort of focal point to their attack. And they've built yeah. up a lovely little balanced squad. And Arteta's done a good job. He's sort of improved the defence tenfold and got them playing with like a solid structure. Midfield looks a lot better, although they could do with someone else. On the wing, they're okay, but like you say, Lacazette being sort of the only option. Then you've got like Eddie and Ketia, who, uh, in my opinion, flatters to deceive most times I watch him. Mm. Nothing against him, but I just don't think he's enough quality to get Arsenal to that next level. So, yeah, I think they need a signing, but I think we'll see that in the summer. Yeah, I, I'm just interested to know, and I might be putting you on the spot here, but could you think of anyone that before the end of the window that could be brought in on a loan? I mean, someone that comes to mind that obviously is, has gone now, Martial, he yeah. would have been ideal for Arsenal, and I know it wouldn't have happened because it's a rival club. Is there anyone that you think that Arsenal could maybe go for before the end of the window? Yeah, well, I was someone that's sort of out of favour at PSG, and uh, I think they maybe could have made a move for someone like Mauro Icardi. Yeah. Um, whether Riccardi's still the same player he was at Inter Milan, I, I think I don't think he is. I think obviously he's coming into sort of maybe like the more twilight years of his career, but he's still a he's still a goal scorer. When he plays for PSG, he still puts the ball on the back of the net. And uh, although I heard rumours saying he didn't, he wasn't keen on leaving Paris, and he was happy to play be a bit part player. I thought he's certainly someone that Arsenal maybe could have tried to get in, maybe on like a six month loan deal with the option to buy. And see yeah. how that went, but obviously, it's all in hindsight, you know. Mm. Arsenal have probably got other plans to what I have. Yeah, yeah. I think with Icardi as well, there's been a lot of baggage around Icardi, hasn't there recently? There's a hell of a lot of baggage. He, yeah. I just think we've seen it so often with Arsenal players. Just the controversy. I mean, look at Aubameyang. That's the exact opposite of what Arteta wants in that camp. And maybe on a six-month loan, it would be good. And we know the quality that Icardi's got. But I do think it is. As simple as Arsenal need to get a striker, like and they, if I'm honest, they need a centre midfielder as well, because Granit Xhaka, like, he's got some some attributes are are outstanding from Xhaka, but he just lets himself down continuously. Yeah, and especially when he's supposed to be a senior player in that squad. Anyway, we could talk about Arsenal all day, 
Let's move on to the next team that have also, well, Arsenal haven't had a, an eventful window, but Aston Villa have. Felipe Coutinho coming in from Barcelona on loan. Lucas Digne um, from Everton for 25 million. Obviously, Steven Gerrard has, and we've, we did speak about it last week, so we'll keep it short, but obviously Steven Gerrard has, he's made it clear that he's trying to implement this positive style of play now and turn Aston Villa around and make them into a team that takes the game to oppositions and plays positively. Do you think these signings are enough? And can you see them bringing in anyone else before the end of the window? Um, yeah, I think I think the signings are enough for now. I mean, you've, you've got a couple of good signings in there and you don't want to just rush into any more for the sake of it, just to sort of appease the fans even more. I mean, I think the Villa mm. fans are... They're absolutely chuffed with what they've got already and they probably would never even expected that to happen a couple of months ago when Dean Smith was in charge. I mean, it's almost like they're on a holiday, Aston Villa fans at the moment. But like with Villa's season, obviously, I don't know where they are in the league. I think they're 11th or 12th, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so, floating around there, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the, the patchy form that we saw at the start of the season, it's sort of, sort of written off any challenge of, any serious challenge of maybe sort of Europa League football. And... Mm. For now, it's just about building a good foundation, ready to attack next season with full speed and focus on planning your summer incomes from now and re really sort of start planning for next season. Because so, this season, as much as Villa fans will want to do well and finish as high as they can, that it's not essential for them to be signing any more players because they've not got a real sort of target in mind that they, they need to sort of achieve for next season in order to, say, keep their manager or keep players. So mm. I think they it's, they should be they should be pretty calm about the situation, Aston Villa fans. Yeah, I think it's I think you make a very good point, Pierre. I think they are in quite a good position. I mean, obviously they'd love to be challenging for things this season, but the fact that they're not could end up helping them because you you see it often, don't you? That these fast like the fast bringing in loads of players at once and trying to just fast track to success, it very rarely works and. They can bring a few players in now and obviously they're going to continue to show this ambition. We spoke about it last week that obviously Gerard was brought in with ambition and, and they've they've backed him up. You you can't you can't take away from the Aston Villa board. They have backed him up and they're showing that Villa aren't going to be sitting around the mid tables. They're going to be pushing now. And they are a team to be reckoned with. I think as well, when you've got a player like Jacob Ramsey that's come through, that is like a new signing in itself. I think that must have just softened the blow of Grealish going so much for Villa fans. It gives them another youngster to attach their hopes to. And yeah, I mean, not linked to the January transfer window, but what a player he's turning out to be. And it almost, I don't know, I mean, you don't really need to bring in a player, do you? It's Imagine if Jacob Ravsey hadn't had that, that boost. They'd probably be looking at a centre midfielder this window. Exactly, yeah. Right, we'll move on to Brentford now. At the minute, we've got one incoming, Jonas Lossel from FC Midland. Midland, yeah. Midland, yeah. I, I, I don't expect you to know much about him. Oh, uh, yeah, but I, I, I do know a little bit about him. Oh, you do? Go on, you, give us some insight. Do you remember he was the Huddersfield keeper in the Premier League? Oh, really? Yeah. And he, he signed for Blondet. Everton. Yeah, signed for Everton um, the season after Huddersfield got relegated and... Yeah, he's. I mean, he's a. Wow. He's an okay backup keeper, and yeah, he played against United last couple of weeks ago. So that must have wow, been his yeah. first game. So, but I think David Rayo's 
sort of really important to Brentford and the way they play play out from the back and stuff. He's he's been he's yeah. injured Disney for a few months now, so he's obviously a bit of a yeah. stopgap. Yeah, no, you you really are the gift that keeps on giving me. Where do you get insight like that from? Like, what <laughs> other podcast is going to know that? Um, it's staying with Brentford, obviously, we've seen links to Christian Eriksen, and we also there was Brennan Johnson from Nottingham Forest was another player. It was seeming like it was going to happen yesterday, but apparently, I've got my source, uh, Jack Sedgley. He'll be listening. Nottingham Forest fan, he's told me that he's not leaving now. He's staying till the end of the season. So that is a blow for Brentford. I've seen a bit of that Brennan Johnson and he looks like a, a tardy player. With Ericsson, can you see that happening? I, I haven't really seen much about it recently. Sure. It seems to have kind of died down a little bit. I think it will happen, yeah. I think it will within the next few days it'll, they'll get it over the line and I think we'll be seeing Ericsson the next time Brentford play a Premier League football match. How big is that for Brentford bringing in a player like Christian Eriksen? Yeah, it's massive. Obviously, not just on a on a playing basis, but on a commercial one as well, and sort of widening their brands to sort of further around Europe. And obviously, Christian Eriksen, it's even bigger for him personally. I mean, with what he's been through and not knowing whether he'd play football again to to potentially be coming back to playing in the the league that. He enjoyed so much success in it. It must be sort of a surreal, well, potential opportunity for him, really. And I'm happy yeah. for him and happy for Brentford if they get it over the line because it's a massive plus in their fight for, I wouldn't say fight for survival. I think they'll be okay with the points that they've tailed up earlier on in the season. But it's certainly a massive signing if they do get him. Yeah, I think it it has the potential to be a great story, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. everyone we everyone seems to love Brentford. I know Thomas Frank's kind of come under a little bit of criticism recently, but everyone kind of loves the Brentford story and the way they play. And yeah, I think it it could be massive for Brentford. But I, just going back to what you just made made reference to there, I think it, we, it is looking like Brentford will be pulled into some kind of a, a relegation battle. I'm not saying they're definitely going to go down. I think. It's probably weaker teams than them. But I think with Brentford, it, it, they often just seem a little bit easy to beat sometimes. Like a little bit open, maybe a little bit naive. They've come into the Premier League, used to playing a positive style of play. And he's been stubborn with the way he's played, Frank. He's not not really adapted it that much. I'm sure he has to the Championship. But on the surface, it does look like they play very positive, positively and sometimes yeah, can leave themselves open. Do you think they maybe should have brought in some more players just to kind of solidify their place in the Premier League a, a little bit more? Potentially, yeah. Um, I'd have maybe... Obviously, I think they they looked solid at the back in the sort of early stages of the season. But I think, like you say, you, you, you when you've played for a, a, a amount of time in the league and sort of after the sort of point where it comes to Christmas where you've played every team once and it's coming into sort of the crunch stage of the season, it, it mm. does seem like there's a little case of they have been sort of found out a little bit. I think yeah. in some games this season, I mean, it's a credit to the Brentford fans at the stadium. It's not a big stadium, but I think that's helped them over the line in a lot of games and getting a lot of results. I think similar to the way you saw in the first season when Sheffield United were in the Premier League with their fans, it's they make it hostile, they make it a tough place to go. And yeah. it, it, sometimes that's not enough. So that sometimes exposes when that when maybe the atmosphere isn't right on point or it's a little bit more subdued the performances can sort of get exposed sometimes and I think they've done well but it's certainly the last few weeks or so 
it's it's shown they do need improvements if they want to sort of solidify themselves as a Premier League team for the future to come. Yeah, definitely, and and that is let's be honest, that is what every club's trying to achieve that that stability, and it's how you do that. And I think Brentford they definitely could do that, but they're still I think like you said next season if they don't do stay up will be the real big one and i know thomas frank's just signed a new i think a five-year contract or something so he's going to be there for the long run and it'll be interesting to see how he does because i think thomas frank is a manager for the future in terms of he has got the potential to move up to to teams higher um not to say he isn't committed to brentford right now um we'll move on now to brighton not much going on here is there anything you want to add? There's Kasper Koloski from Pogan Szczesin. Yeah. 8 million. Good player. I really think... good young player. Is he? Only yeah. because I... And, and he, the only reason I know that is because I signed him on a Porto career <laughs> last season. And uh, he did really well off did the he? bench and playing in the, the under-23. So I'm looking for... One to watch, certainly. If you're you listening. must be happy for him. If you're listening, Kasper. Wish you the best <laughs> <laughs> I think with Brighton though, there's they've shown this season that they've got a, a pretty well balanced squad, haven't they? And yeah. there wasn't too much to add. They haven't got massive expectations or ambitions this season and it's kind of just continuing on what they on with what they um have started really. What I've been impressed with with Graham Potter as well is that I mean his team seems very flexible in terms of they're able to go after teams and then when they need to employ a low low block they do. And also in terms of the team selection as well, he's not afraid. Like a player like Lamptey, you see how important he is to Brighton. Potter could, in most players, would play Lamptey every minute of every game, but he doesn't. Like he didn't start against Leicester, and he's not afraid to bring players in, and they often kind of rise to the to the task. I'll tell you a player that I'm impressed with that they signed is that is that Joel Veltman. I think he's a really solid player, and I think they yeah. signed him for was it from from Ajax. Ajax, yeah. Yeah, um, very cheap as well, I think. He's but versatile I, as well, yeah. I like yeah, him. No, really solid player. But I think Brighton, yeah, there wasn't too much they needed to do in the January transfer window. So, yeah, hopefully that, that signing will be enough. We'll go on to Burnley now. And it could be a costly window for them. Obviously, Chris Wood going to Newcastle for £25 million. They kind of had their, their hands held behind their back with that one because it was a release clause. Newcastle had obviously identified their... That this is an opportunity to kind of get a, two two positives really. They've got Chris Wood, a Premier League proven striker, and also they've detracted from one of their main rivals in the relegation scrap. Chris Wood leaving Burnley, how costly is that to them? And I think they, I mean, they're definitely looking for a, a striker to bring in. They've obviously got twenty five million there. Can you see them bringing in someone? Have you seen any links anywhere? Um, in terms of strikers, not really, but obviously. We saw the links with Orsic from Demo Zagreb. That's looking fairly likely. I'm not sure if it will get over the line before the January window finishes, but that would be a really big signing for them. And obviously, it'd be yet to see how he'd perform in a, in a in a tougher league. But we've seen him obviously in the Europa League against teams like Tottenham, and he's been really good and really impressive. Really pacey, tricky winger who can yeah. got an eye for a goal as well. But like you say, it's sort of the that, that striker position they need to sort of get a replacement in for, and it's just that it is a case of is this going to be the costly window for Burnley when it finally happens, where this season is the season they go down. And I think Chris Wood. I mean, as much as I don't think it, in terms of Newcastle, it was 
sort of maybe the signing that the fans were hoping for, that the level of signing. Mm. I mean, it's certainly a tactical one, I think, as yeah. in the majority. And yeah, it could be really, really sort of really damaging for Burnley. Yeah, I think as well, Wood is just so central to the their style of play, isn't it? And when yeah. they go in to look for a striker, they're not just going to go for any striker. It has to be kind of someone that fits that mould in the area, going to cause problems, aerial threat. It's tough. It is really tough. I've seen links to Christian Benteke. I don't know what you thought about that. I didn't see them, but it doesn't. I think Benteke. I think yeah, I think his time's done. I think in the Premier League. I mean, mm. he's a good player in his day, but I don't think he's what Burnley need to sort of get them out of the position they're in, rock bottom of the table. No, he doesn't seem to be able to string a, a few games together, does he? Uh, we'll move on now to Chelsea. Obviously, it's quite clear what Chelsea needed to bring in, and I'm, I'm I'm sure they're working day and night to try and do it. Obviously, wing back has been a real issue with James and Chilwell out injured for for the foreseeable future. I'm not sure when they're plan to return. I don't know. I I haven't seen any real concrete links to be honest. I know they've brought back maybe a few loan players, uh, like Kennedy maybe. Um, I don't know. Have you seen any, anything? I haven't in terms of concrete links to players. In the win- earlier in the window, I saw uh, Talifico of Ajax yeah. linked, but he's on the verge of signing for Barcelona now on a loan deal. So that one's out the window, I think, out the picture. Sorry, um, but no, nothing really. Obviously, there were talks of bringing Emerson back. I don't think Leon have sort of agreed to that, and, and so so they shouldn't really. Um, uh, so yeah, Kennedy looks like the the sort of stop with the sort of quick option that they've they've gone for to bring him back from his loan and it'll be yet to see how he does I mean he's obviously got quality but whether that's the quality Chelsea need to sort of challenge what they want to challenge for this season and I'm not sure yeah I think it's it looks pretty bleak for Chelsea I've got to be honest and I know it's I don't want to sound like I'm overreacting but I genuinely if they don't bring in a, a wing back I think it could be really costly to them this season and they definitely won't be challenging for a title and I know it seems a long way away now but I mean it seems ridiculous to be saying that the title race is over at this stage of the season especially when you look at the squad that Chelsea have got and it's just it's poor planning on their part really that they've been exposed this badly by the ab- by the absence of two players and I, I hope for their sake they bring someone in I really do uh, a player that I think would have been ideal is that Robin Gosens that's gone to Inter Milan. He's obviously a left wing back, or I think he's versatile, can play anywhere across the left. But the issue with him is that he is currently injured at the moment. So obviously Chelsea, they need that instant impact, don't they? Yeah. I think you'll see Chelsea bring in a wing back before the end of the, of the end of the window. I really do. It's my little bit of insight there. Nice. Crystal Palace. Not seeing much here, to be mm. honest. The no incomings at the moment, and then the outgoings are just young players and loans. Not much to discuss there. Donny Van Der Beek. Oh yeah, while well, you're there, sorry, you go ahead, mate. What 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 have we seen about Donny Van Der Beek? Is do you think this is going to happen? I think it's going to happen. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a sort of basic loan deal into the end of the season. No no buy option included. Yeah, it's understood that United are. Uh, are, are refusing to include any sort of buy option or obligation as they've got him in their plans for next season. I'm not sure what that means or whether that means being the the water carrier or cone collector. <laughs> I think it. I think what they're basically getting at is that, and I think it was the same with Martial as well, is that they don't know who's coming in, 
and they don't know whether that manager that comes in might want one of these players. Yeah. But if Ten Hag comes in, he's going to want Van der Beek, isn't he? Yeah. So they can't get rid of these players. If someone comes in and they love Martial or... They, yeah. They're going to want to keep him around. Yeah, so they're just trying to cover their own back, aren't they? Yeah, and you don't want to send a player out alone for them to do amazingly well and then can't have the option of bringing them back. No, but, exactly. Um, no, I'd like, as a United fan, I'd love it to happen, to be fair. I think he deserves a shot at playing every week. And obviously, Vieira seems to be really keen on him and wants him as his, as a starter for the rest of the season. So it's the least that he deserves, really, I mean... And to see him stay in the Premier League as well, it would have been tough for him to... Maybe he would have seen himself get a move to maybe a team closer to United in that area. Of the, but hmm. United were never going to potentially strengthen another rival. So I think it's a good, it would be a good fit and good good to get away from, from Manchester and sort of move to London and re- rediscover himself really and show everyone what he can do. Yeah, and it's just football, isn't it? He needs minutes, he needs to get playing. His career's been on hold for the last two seasons. I think Palace would be the perfect environment. They're a team on the up. I just wonder how it would work with him and Conor Gallagher in a team together, whether it would mm. be... What what do they play, Palace? Is it a, must To get him in, it'll have to be a 4 3 3 won't it? Yeah. Or a, at least a three-man midfield. Because yeah. you'd have... You, you'd want a, a defensive midfielder alongside Gallagher and Van der Beek. I don't know who... Who you think would be the the more advanced player out of Gallagher and Van der Beek? Mm, I don't, I'm not sure, you know, because Gallagher's so good at sort of everything, isn't he? The box to box, he's yeah. got he's got legs, he's got a, he's he's very physical. Where he can he can go for ninety minutes and up and down, so it'd be difficult. And he's a bit he seems a little bit more robust than someone like Donny Van der Beek. Um, yeah, but I'm not sure. He likes, you know. to, he likes to arrive late, doesn't he? Yeah, and he's, Gallagher. Yeah, and. We you not you not I'm not sure you know you'd have to wait and see how Vieira would want to want to play them together but it'd be interesting to see them two play together and sort of link up a little partnership. Mm, I think for a United fan as well it must be a case of you've obviously been kind of pulling your hair out wanting Van der Beek to start. It'll be interesting to see now whether the Solskjaer's and the the managers that haven't played him were they right in the end or with Donny van der Beek is he just not at the level or it'd be really interesting to see because yeah. it's, it's quite hard to take a lot from the Ajax days isn't it because it was kind of a such a crazy time for Ajax and that run they went on and when you're on a run like that and you've got that momentum crazy things can happen yeah I mean I've seen Mark Albrighton and Danny Simpson win a Premier League title off momentum <laughs> do you know what I mean anything can happen so it will be interesting to see and I think there is a real player there he's definitely got the football in brain and I just think with United the red flag is that if you just look at United's players and United's midfielders haven't been playing well and he still hasn't managed to push into that team so we'll see we'll see I hope he does well I really do I hope he proves people wrong right we'll move on to Everton now Uh, obviously they've had some controversy at the minute with Rafa Benitez being sacked and they're still looking for a manager uh, and not much has changed really since we last spoke about this. I think Lampard's still in the in talks. Maybe I don't know. If, have you seen any more? There was the um, Ferreira guy. Um, he he was the front runner yesterday, but backlash from the fans and their supporters groups has sort of cooled that a little bit. I think he's still interested. I'm not sh- sure too What's much. What's the about backlash? It. What was just not, not not up to it? They, I think the Everton fans don't weren't happy with. The, op- well, the potential option so uh, they want Lampard and 
I think Lampard looks the most likely to be honest and mm. I hope it happens I think yeah I think it's in the the owner's interest isn't it to just kind of follow what the fans want at the minute yeah and I, I don't even I don't really know the full extent of what's going on there it seems they've got some kind of joint ownership or something with um, what's his name um, Farhad Mishiri and who's the Bill other guy Kenwright. they hate Bin Bill Kenwright yeah. yeah it seems to be yeah all kind of dramas going on there uh, yeah but with Everton with their signings they have made moves obviously with Digne leaving to Villa they brought in Vitali Mikalenko from Dinamo Kiev as a direct replacement for him I think he's on the younger side have you heard much of Mikalenko? nothing before he signed really I mean he no. played he played against Norwich in Rafa's last game I think yeah had a bit of a torrid time there and he wasn't in the squad for the game against Aston Villa the following week so it's one of them ones where We'll see. Yeah, going to take a bit of time to sort of bed in. Yeah, obviously Anuel El Ghazi has joined from Aston Villa on loan. I do like El Ghazi. I think he's kind of a productive player. There's not much fancy about him. He, he seems to get in the right positions. I know he's got. A, I think he's had a decent goal scoring record over the last yeah. few seasons. Not really solidified his place recently in, in the Villa squad. Do you think that's a good signing for Everton? I mean, it just seems at the minute. It just seems like. They're just like the bare minimum, aren't they? Though, their signings. It's yeah. just they're kind of just poaching players that they can get for cheap, get on a loan, maybe get them on a free. And there's not yeah. much ambition there, is there? No. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a strange signing. But, like you say, with their, their recent history in the transfer market and spending big money on players that actually that haven't pulled up any trees, so to speak. And mm. maybe this is a better option where they're sort of focusing on loans and. Smaller fees and cheaper players like Damari Gray, who's done, I think, who's been Everton's shining light this season in a in a pretty poor yep. campaign. So you I never know. And Andros Townsend, really, as well, and they both came in. On, I think Townsend was a free. I think maybe. Yeah, free transfer. So yeah, it's it's a change in approach, and you've just got to give it time, haven't you? Maybe they're waiting for the summer to to sort of go back into the market and spend big again. Do you think Everton? And lastly, as well, I don't know if, if you've heard of him, Nathan Patterson joined from Rangers yeah. for 16 million. Um, but yeah, have you heard much of him? And also, yeah. do, do you think Everton could be pulled into a relegation battle? On Patterson, um, not seen loads of him, but um, obviously he went to the Euros of Scotland. I've seen him play for Rangers. He looks like a, a good young, young, young fullback who's definitely got potential, definitely got the quality to play in the Premier League. He's still young and. I think he's seen as a sort of long-term replacement for Seamus Coleman. Yeah. Um, so that's good. Uh, planning for the future there, and got a good young player on the hands. And in terms of a, a an Ever- Everton being pulled into a relegation scrap, I don't think they will. I think they've just simply got too much quality to to be pulled into a relegation scrap. No matter how bad you're playing or unrest from the fans and the toxicness around the club, I, I still think. There's a, there's at least four or five teams in the league that are, are far worse than Everton, yeah. even on a bad day. So, no, I don't think they will, but they need to be careful. You'd hope as well, bringing the Lampard in somewhere, there'd be a bit of a bounce, wouldn't you? A bounce of results. And once yeah. you string a few wins together, you can all of a sudden be looking kind of away from the relegation battle. Uh, but yeah, with Everton, I think it'd be interesting. And I think, yeah, it was always going to be restricted, whatever, what their... their the, the movements in the January transfer window because like you said the focus is on the summer now it's getting to the end of the season 
that's all their focus is and then you rebuild with whatever manager you've brought in um yeah we'll move on now to leeds and really not much happening here mateo joseph fernandez from espanol an undisclosed fee i mean you've surprised me already do you know anything about mateo joseph fernandez i can't shed any light on this transfer <laughs> oh disappointed me didn't get signed on any career modes or anything nothing like that all right well i think is there anything insight you can give on leads i mean it's a bit of a strange season for them i think i don't know i, I but to be honest actually when yeah when you look at it the amount of injuries they've had i don't know how many players have returned now i mean i know the striker position has been a real issue hasn't it with patrick bamford still hasn't returned and he was huge for them last season i don't know what you'd think they would have probably signed a few more players this window when you thought yeah you certainly thought they would have gone in for a for a striker i mean i heard rumors that they were they were looking at that Bren Barrett and Diaz from Blackburn. Um, but that's not really sort of materialised anywhere. I don't think he's really keen on leaving midway for a season where Blackburn are doing so well. But yeah, you'd have, even someone like Chris Wood, you would have thought they would have sort of challenged Newcastle to maybe get him in. But yeah, it seems like they're happy with their squad. I don't know if they're planning on bringing anyone in before the window, but... Yeah, it's a difficult one because it's, they're, they're another team like Everton where they've got too much quality to go down, really, and they're not going to go down Leeds, I don't think, but they certainly do need to be careful in terms of getting complacent and getting pulled into a sort of a last-minute scrap. Yeah, because it does happen. We do see it, don't we? Um, Fernandez, I've just looked, he's a, he's a young player, so he's another player to bolster their youth ranks. So, yeah, obviously Bielsa must be happy with what he's got, and I'm sure he'd be the first manager to be in the boardroom saying what he needed if he did need someone. Um, and yeah. they've been, they haven't held back in the windows recently, have they? Like they have signed players. They've given Bielsa the squad. I just think injuries have hit them so hard this season. And it's always difficult, isn't it? It's really it, to assess fully kind of the, the success of this season and how it has gone for them until they've got their full squad back. We'll move on to another team that have had injury issues of them, of themselves. And still no incomings of yet. Leicester City. Philippe Benkovic been released. Centre-back. One of the weirdest stories ever. Rodgers had him at Celtic. I think he really impressed at Celtic. He's got experience in a, a variety of, of the top leagues in Europe. Never played a single minute for Leicester, pretty much. Might have played in a couple pre-season games. We've had a centre-back crisis. And he still doesn't play. And now he's gone to Udinese, released. So that's a weird one. But in, in the case of Leicester, I think it's been really disappointing for fans. Um, it's been a, a bit of a sobering window, to be honest. Uh, I think ev everyone knew that the areas that we needed, well, I mean, the centre-back position is just it's an absolute necessity. We needed to bring someone in. I think the only hope we've got now, it's not looking like we are going to sign anyone before the end, but I think the only hope we've got is that Fafana comes back relatively soon. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know the uh, Evans seems to be in one week and out the other, and I don't think there's any with Evans. I think he's got to that age now where you just get so many setbacks, don't you? You get a little knock, and then it, that, that knock pushes you back another couple of weeks. I think with Leicester yeah. as well, what we have seen is that the club are now trying to say that basically we're looking to the summer but we're not like maybe this season's being written off 
which is obviously yeah. disappointing as a football fan. And you never want that, do you? Because as a football fan, you kind of want to live in the moment and you want to enjoy the, the season and the games that you've got coming up. But when your club are pretty much openly admitted through their lack of movement and their lack of intent in the window, that it's not, this season's done, basically. But also, we have got a, if you're a Leicester fan and you are frustrated, I understand how you're feeling, I feel the same, but... We have invested massively into the training ground and the infrastructure in the club. We've invest. We are in. I don't know if the money's gone out yet, but this this stadium uh, expansion as well. I think it is a case of kind of planning for the long term, and the short term might be hindered a little bit. And you see it a lot of times with Arsenal clubs like that when they do invest into the stadiums, etc. They do see maybe a little bit of a dip in terms of their their transfer outgoings and incomings, etc. I think the summer is going to be where we find out a lot about Leicester and I think we will see a key outgoing because I think what I've seen is the reason we haven't had anything to spend is because last summer was the first summer I think in six seasons where we hadn't sold a, a marquee player so every season we sold like a Maguire, Chilwell, Mares, Kante, a player of that ilk but we didn't do it last season so I think it I think that's why we've basically not been spending too much, and we did spend a decent bit last last um, in the in the summer. What are your thoughts on Leicester from an outsider's perspective? Sort of echo everything you just say there. I mean, in terms of the investment they've put into the training ground, the facilities they've got there. I mean, that's certainly going to help the, the 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 academy and the the youth at Leicester sort of tenfold. I mean, for the future, it's so bright. I mean. Their academy's ever improving. You're seeing players coming through now, sort of Luke Thomas, Kean, and Jewsby Hall. Really, mm. sort of exciting young talents that that it's you've not always saw at Leicester. Have you? It's only the last few years you're starting to see a more certainly a lot more quality come through the academy now. There does and, seem to be a real crop of players at the minute. That yeah, really and, I, and I, well. I think that's from investment. I think over the past ten, fifteen years, mainly since. Um, sort of Vichai came in and invested all that money the, the academy's certainly been sort of central to what their plans were I mean you look at all the stuff with they had their own Leicester City Thai team so the Thai players that would come over the young players and have their own sort of academy team at the training ground they're really high level as well so yeah it's certainly it's, yeah it's nothing to worry about I don't think I mean you've got to always expect a bit of a come down in terms of money spent and transfer business after you invest heavily so much in something like that yeah I, so, I'm, I'm wondering just sticking what you're saying there I think it's quite interesting really when you because I just wondered whether you thought the, these young players that are benefiting now and coming through and really slotting into the first team and kind of it's almost similar to what I was saying with Villa they're like new signings like Kean and Drewsbury Hall I don't know what we would have done without him this season if he hadn't come in and slotted into the first team but do you think this kind of yeah the upward trajectory in the in the in the the academy is just due to the environment they've been able to kind of develop in and all the success that Leicester have had recently do you think that's maybe helped elevate some of these players yeah definitely I mean when when you're a young player coming through and I can only speak from what other people experience like if you've got a sort of team doing really well on the pitch and a first team and a, a real picture and sort of aim to get up to, I mean, they'll be watching Leicester over the years, seeing their journey and they'll feel part of it as well, being in the academy growing up. You see them sort of plays going into training every day and 
the ins and out of a, a day at the life of a, a football club but it's obviously started off with the championship league one they've seen it all I mean and to to see their senior squad where they want to be achieving these great things and going on this massive journey it only sort of gives the academy lads down at Leicester that added motivation to to be part of that one day so certainly it's financial aspect they've definitely had more funding put into it and the quality of training sort of coaches everything improves but it's definitely sort of entwined heavily with the success that Leicester have had on the pitch in the first team yeah absolutely absolutely and I think it is the knock-on effect isn't it when you see if you're a Jewsbury Hall or you're a, if you go it's the knock like you've got Harvey Chowdhury Hamza Chowdhury did well and then well Chilwell did well then Chowdhury did well then Harvey Barnes did well then Luke Thomas did well then it's a knock-on effect and it is seeing that route into the first team isn't it and seeing other people do it so yeah we'll move on to Liverpool now no incomings for Liverpool I mean I see them linked to a few random names but I think we know now that they haven't got the money of the teams around them to just be splashing the cash in the transfer window I don't do you think they're going to bring anyone in I don't know no, I, mean, there's, there's, I, don't I don't think see they will. I don't think Liverpool. I don't, they're not a team that ever strikes me as a team that sort of panic in January transfer windows and sign players for the sake of it. I think they're always, obviously, I think their owners FSG and I think the the board and Klopp. I think they're always really measured in the players that they bring in, and they'll have people targeted and they'll have people that are sort of weighed up for the summer. Who, who they're going for in the summer? I don't think I can't see Liverpool signing anyone in the January transfer window. So no, not not for me. I think with Liverpool, just sticking with them briefly, I think they'll be they can take optimism from this recent period, and we've seen the obviously Salah, Mane going to and Cater obviously as well going to African Cup of Nations. I think a lot of us were kind of waiting to see just Liverpool's level drop and them to have a crisis without those players. The op the opposite has has ensued and they've yeah. they've looked really strong and I think with Liverpool you just see that it isn't about the amount you spend or the amount of players you bring in it's if you're sensible in the window that's all that really matters and you see that these just they're so sensible some of their signings you see the, some of the players they bring in the players they bring in are always for the long term and you also know that Klopp is going to develop them he's going to get them better. And it's such an asset to have that. You get some of these teams that they expect a player to come in. And, I mean, maybe I don't want to target Manchester United, but you almost feel like they bring a player in and it's expected for them to hit the ground running and you you want the finished article straight away. But you know with Liverpool, if they sign a player, that they will invariably be developed and they will get better. So, yeah, I think, yeah, with Liverpool, they're just kind of benefiting from just the... the the good decisions and how well they've been run in 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 the past. Yeah, we'll move on now to Manchester City. There was nothing more you wanted to add on Liverpool. No, no, Manchester City no incomings. I think it's not really a shock. They've well, signed actually, yeah, Julian Alvarez. Yeah, and so he's yeah. going to join it. He's gone back to River Plate, hasn't he? And then he's going to come at the end of the season. I'm going to assume that you've got some insight on Alvarez. Not massive insight, no. to be honest. I've, I've not, I, I've never really seen him play. I've heard really good things, and obviously there was a lot of talk at the start of the window that Ralph Ranić was really keen on bringing him to Old Trafford. But according to Fabrizio, that there was never any sort of concrete interest there from United. So, but as far as I'm aware, and as far as what I've been told, is that Man City are getting a, a real sort of 
gem for the future on their hands and it'll be interesting to see how he uh, develops mm, I next think season. That, yeah, I mean, I've seen, I've seen his name banded around a bit and I've seen that like United were linked to him and a few teams. And I, I obviously, I've not seen him play. I've probably, I think I've seen a few clips on Twitter. But you almost think, like, oh, is he that good? Is he that good? Is he just a player that is an agent just kind of putting his name about and attaching his name to clubs to try and get a move elsewhere and da-da-da. But as soon as you see Manchester City going for a player, I think that's when you realise like, yeah. they've seen something, haven't they? They've obviously seen yeah. something. And, yeah, I think it'd be really interesting to see how they do. But, obviously, they don't need to sign anyone this window. Um, in terms of no. here right now, they don't need anyone. What are they, 13, I think? I don't think they're 13 points clear now, but they're they're still a light years ahead of anyone else. Eight, it seems. Yeah, I think yeah. eight points clear now. And it seems, yeah, it seems the Premier League's almost done. It seems. I, I, it's, it's, it sounds stupid to say, but I think they'll be hoping to further that gap so then they can focus on the Champions League. Because yeah. it, it is where it's... For City, if it was me, I like you have to focus on the Champions League, and if that means losing the Premier League, which I don't think will happen anyway, but the Champions League has to be the ambition this season for Manchester City, and yeah, I think it's not a shock Definitely. that they haven't brought anyone in. Uh, in terms of Ferran Torres leaving, gone to Barcelona for fifty-five million. Somehow they've fan- managed to find some money, even though. According to everyone else you hear, is they're absolutely broke. But there you go. Do you think Ferran Torres? Are you disappointed to see him go to Barcelona? Do you think it was a case where City didn't really have a, a choice? It was the player just kind of wanted to leave. And hmm. yeah, do you think it'll be a loss for Man City? Yeah, I think he will. I was really impressed with him to be honest. I mean, obviously he didn't play loads last season. He sort of well for the first half of the season he was sort of. A little bit like Jota, sort of slowly bedded into the side, but obviously when you saw people like Aguero and obviously can't play every week and Torres came in last season, he sort of really made a big impact, I thought. Mm. He's got so much potential as well to be played across the whole forward line and scores goals, runs in behind. and I, I, I certainly thought he would have been at Manchester City for a few more years and then move on because it's always a case of when you get players come from Spain or that part that part of the world or anywhere really you at the end of the day notoriously their dream is always to play for someone like Real Madrid or Barcelona and obviously mm. like you say City I don't think they could have stopped it if he wanted to leave he wanted to leave but I, I didn't think it would come this soon I mean he's only 21 years old yeah you'd have thought this would have maybe been a stage later on in his career but you know, if that's what he wanted, then it's best to let him go. I think it is quite nice to see that the pedigree of Barcelona isn't fully being lost. Because I thought we were kind of losing Barcelona. Like I thought they were kind of we were almost going into onto like critical condition in terms of their their the risk to their kind of um, reputation and their standing in the world of football. But I imagine if you're a Barcelona fan. It's the small wins at the moment you've got to take, and it is a small win. It's a player that was a, a talented player, and I'm pretty sure that City did see him in their plans for the future, and he was obviously signed for the future. And, yeah, he's he's obviously valued playing for Barcelona over that, and you have to respect it. I mean, I think you have to respect yeah. the fact that he hasn't kind of waited around. Like He's clearly just made it very clear that I want to go. This is what I want to yeah. do, and, and City have respected that. And I'm sure they've made a, a tidy bit of profit on him. Move on now to Manchester United. 
Obviously, I'll let you give most of the insight on this. But I think from the outside, it seems players have to go out before players can come in. Mm. We all know that the defensive midfield area is what United need or is what the fans perceive they need. Do you think you will get that defensive midfielder before the window is out, before the month is out? I was hopeful a couple of weeks ago, but I can't see it happening now. And really? the only sort of the only sort of saving grace for me is that United, I, I'll accept this if in the back of their minds they've got someone big lined up in the summer and they've they've got some agreed and they've got some sort of verbal agreement with a player who's top quality holding midfielder that they can he can sort of really transform or so. I mean, obviously it's really wishful thinking any team in the world would love him, but say they'd already got something agreed with Declan Rice and said mm. we yeah. get Champions League football you come in the summer I mean I'd be happy with that but I can't see them going I can't I just can't see signing anyone I've not heard enough noise and enough sort of close contact so obviously the Zakaria stuff early in the window that's sort of all mm. gone a bit dead I've, I've seen some stuff about Marseille's Buba Camara that seems to be the one that maybe is the most likely at this point yeah potentially I think Ranić really wants to get someone in but you know, it's always a case of backing an interim manager because you don't know who the the, the next manager, next permanent manager is going to want to buy, or mm. someone else who they've got lined up. Maybe Pochettino, Ten Hag might have completely different ideas about who they want to sign. So it's it's always difficult to back an interim manager. But I think if it's going to improve United's season tenfold, I mean, they've got to go and they've just got to go and give them the money to to, to buy someone. It is almost similar to kind of the predicament I'm in with Leicester, as in it's like it's your team showing that either we're going to focus on this season and this season we're going to try and achieve something or we are going to wait for the summer and write this off. But can United afford to do that? How precarious of a position do you think you're in? And are you like, because it seems like maybe you might be just one injury away from kind of everything falling apart again. I know you've been on a steady incline recently, but yeah, just how important do you think a signing could be and how much of a miss could it be if you or a missed opportunity could it be if you don't bring someone in? It's a difficult one really because like you say there's been sort of a steady incline we're slowly progressing and, and getting to sort of closer where we, where Ranić wants us to be and where he wants us to play you can see is the style that's slowly being implemented we're getting better at what he wants to do but it's a case of yeah it's you've just got to wait up and think what's what's more important I mean, mm. can we get top four without signing a midfielder? We definitely can. I mean, we've done it before. We we can do it again. We've got enough quality in other areas of the pitch. But it's just a risky one as well, and especially when you've got cups on the... Still got two cups to play for. If you want to be serious about challenging for them as well, you've got to have the strongest possible team. And it's just it's just a really difficult position to be in, really, because it's been so glaringly obvious for, for two or three years now what we needed and we've just spent the whole time strengthening other positions on the pitch that maybe we did need but maybe not as much mm, you have you've ended up with positions where you've got too many players in yeah we're very players top that heavy, can't yeah. even start yeah I, you know i think it'll be interesting to see what happens to be fair and there's definitely optimism to be had for united um fans and obviously there always is with united because you just you know you've got the power to to buy your way out of trouble and We'll see. I think United are in a precarious position, but maybe you've been helped by the fact that the teams around you have struggled to 
to add to their teams. I mean, if you'd seen Arsenal sign for Havic, yeah. or somewhat along those lines, or Spurs being able, and we'll get to Spurs later on, but I think United will be all right because, yeah, like I said, other teams have struggled around them. And the quality you've got to not get top four, it would be absolutely criminal. Yeah. It would be really, really poor. We'll move on now to a team that have shown a lot of ambition. We knew they would. Uh, I don't think I'd... I think when when we saw the Saudi owners, obviously we're talking about Newcastle, but when we saw the, the, the this Saudi-ran consortium take over, I think we all wondered whether are they going to invest with the, the kind of power and the, the ambition that Manchester City showed their kind of owners. And I think we are seeing that they're going to be free spending and they're not going to cut any corners in, in what mm. they want to achieve. And I think the only thing that, that's limited them this season is purely just the their standing in the league. And they've hit a lot of roadblocks with negotiations with players because players ultimately don't want to risk going down. Obviously, yeah, brought, brought in Kieran Trippier, Atletico Madrid, 15 million, which is a really solid signing, I think. But obviously, it is a right back to the, the effect on the the overall squad is possibly limited. Chris Wood up from Burnley, 25 million. Obviously, we spoke about that at the top of the show. This Gabriel, how do you say it? Bruno Guimaraes. Bruno, well, I just keep saying Gabriel. <laughs> Bruno Guimaraes, there was links yesterday and there was reports, Romano, all the top tier journalists were reporting that a deal had been agreed. It had all but, all but been done by, by everyone else's account. But, that's it, apparently it was false, fake news. Yeah. Mar- uh, Leon have come out and kind of uh, debunked all of it. With Newcastle, yeah, sorry, I'm I'm wobbling on a bit here. But what do you think about Newcastle's uh, business this window? Do you think they've done enough to to stay up? Yeah, it's difficult to say really because none of the signings have had sort of like enough time to to really show their full effect on the team, and it's always going to be difficult with a right back and say like a striker when. You've got a team there that for so many years there's so many positions that they need to strengthen. It's hard when there's only two positions being strengthened to see how much of an effect that's actually going to have on the whole team. But I think they'll definitely, I think they'll have enough to stay up. I mean, I think overall the new signings and momentum from the new ownership and they've got obviously got a good win at Leeds at the weekend. And Eddie Howe obviously he's a good manager and he's had history of getting teams out of relegation battles before. So... I definitely think he's. I think Newcastle will be okay this season. Yeah, I think positions they seem to be pushing for are centre back. We've seen a few linked Sven Botman, but it doesn't seem to have happened. Diego Carlos, that's not happened. Sevilla didn't want to sell him. Uh, another position was attacking midfield. Obviously, we've gone past United now, but we can talk about it. Obviously, Jesse Lingard was looking like he was going to go to Newcastle on loan, mm. but there seems to have been some kind of difference of opinion regarding the, the fee. I think United wanted fourteen million or something I've seen. Yeah. Twelve million for a for 12 a loan. Million. I mean, what is that about? I don't know. Why are you keeping these players around and I never think that, play? I think they're trying to the sense of they're trying to get them back for when they quoted quoted them fifty million for Sean Longstaff. <laughs> but yeah, but it doesn't in terms of with Lingard, I think it would have been a good move. Um they've now been linked to I mean Deli Ali, but I'd really I can't see Deli Ali going to Newcastle. I can't just can't see it happening. I haven't seen enough concrete rumours. Obviously, it's the twenty seventh at the minute, so we have got four days or so to 
for for these teams to get their their last bits of business done. Obviously, this Gabriel, not Gabriel, Bruno Gomez. Uh, where have I got Gabriel from? I think it's this. It's the Arsenal centre back. I'm getting confused with the Gabriel. What's he called? Gabriel. But yeah, he because I, 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 I basically wrote an article yesterday about that Gabriel Menares and Gabriel Menares. What the hell? He's Bruno Gomez, and I, I watched highlights of him and everything because I thought he was going to Newcastle, and and then it got literally got announced that he wasn't. I, going to I, Newcastle. I still think there's a good chance that he's going to go. Do you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I right. think I think it's just a bit of a a saving grace maybe from Leon in terms of they don't want to be seen to be sort of giving in too easily to a top talent in Europe and. Maybe maybe it's a case of they're just actually just trying to push for a bit more money. This is it, isn't it? With yeah. Newcastle, they do fall victim to the fact that everyone knows that they are it's arguably or statistically the the richest club on the planet, I think, right now. Yeah, and I mean, it's going to add 25, put... 30% onto every transfer fee they try and Exactly. Try and get. He looks like a... I mean, I've seen some highlights of him yesterday and I'm sure you probably know more about him than me, but he looks like a really, really solid player. Yeah, Picks he's... up on the half turn... And something that struck struck me is just the, the kind of venom he puts in his passes and the just the speed of his decision making and yeah he looks like a real top player and I think he's versatile as well I'm right in saying I think he can play deeper he can play in the in the center of the park yeah. or in behind the striker as well do you think he'd be a kind of a, a kind of player that they need oh yeah definitely I mean you you've seen a bit of like an upturn in form from the likes of John Joe Shelby and stuff since Eddie Howe's come in. But I certainly, I think for the level that Newcastle want to get to, they definitely need someone like Bruno to to come in and sort of start that revolution and be the first sort of household name in that midfield, and they can sort of build around him from the summer onwards. And he's certainly a top player. I mean, so many clubs have been interested in him in Italy and Spain, the top clubs as well, you know, in Germany. So he's certainly someone that it would be a great signing and a massive bonus for them this season if they could get hold of him. Something that struck me about Newcastle of what when I've seen them play is that there is a lack of protection in that midfield for the defence. I often yeah. see it's a double pivot of Shelby and Willock, or do you know what I mean? That, that mm. I mean that doesn't strike you as a, a midfield pairing that you'd want to to really protect your your defence. And when you, I know Newcastle are showing ambition off the pitch, but they're still going to have to employ quite reserved tactics and sit in and kind of play on the counter attack. Especially when you got a player like Wood as well, yeah. I think yeah, I think a centre midfield is it really they could do with bringing in before the end of the window. But do you think Newcastle just lastly quickly? Do you think they'll stay up? Yeah, you do. Right. Yeah. I'm gonna say yeah. I think they will as well. The players they're bringing in, I like Eddie Howe as well. Right, Norwich, no incomings as of yet. Is there anything you want to say about Norwich? I don't think there's. There doesn't seem to be any kind of incomings. I mean, Dean mm-hmm. Smith seems to have kind of turned a corner with this Norwich side. They're obviously out of the relegation zone. Yeah, interesting. He's, yeah. he's employing more of a, a two-man strike force now. Adam Eder alongside Timo Pukki, and I think it's mm-hmm. bringing, bringing oh, more players. Yeah, I mean, well, Josh Sargent's been playing, doesn't he? And he scored a couple of good mm. goals the other night. And yeah, it's interesting, you know. I mean, they've certainly got a manager there that they need to get them out of this position. I mean, he's done it with Aston Villa. He's got teams promoted. So, say they do go down, the ideal man to take them back up. But, I mean, the last two results have had really solid results against Everton and and uh, Watford. It'd really, uh, be really interesting to see how, how far they can go in this sort of 
survival push and if I mean if they managed to turn it around it'd be it'd be one of the really impressive and one of the great escapes from from relegation because they seemed all right. down and out about three or four weeks ago. And they become a, it came a bit of a laughing stock really, didn't they? And their standing as a Premier League club kind of just came into question and yeah. I think a lot of us thought really what was going on at Norwich because they didn't really show any kind of ambition. They seemed to just be kind of what is it the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and it did seem like Norwich were kind of doing that with the same yeah. manager the same tactics and yeah I'm, I'm seeing the name here Jordan Hugel is the only name I'm seeing linked to Norwich West Brom don't know if you know much about him mm-hmm. uh, and uh, an outgoing a potential outgoing is obviously Todd Cantwell who's kind of find him, found himself out of the team there at Norwich and his career's kind of not really gone. He's not really pushed on from the the promising start he made when he first announced himself on the Premier League. What do you just quick thoughts on Todd Cantwell? Uh, difficult to say, really. I mean, he obviously came through a couple of seasons ago when they were in the Premier League, and I think he looked a tardy player. I don't think he looked anything out of this world. I mean, to me anyway. I mean, other people might know better than him. I've I've not watched him as much as maybe Norwich fans have, but. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there must be a reason as to why he's not playing and why he's not featuring. And I don't in know. Nor- I mean, it's yeah. difficult. In a one Norwich for him. team that you'd really expect him to be a standout get player, as well. you'd expect yeah. him to be one of the standout players. Mm, and you just wonder, maybe is he just not robust enough? I don't know. Yeah. Is he just not? Does he not offer a, a specific role? But anyway, we'll move on from Norwich. We'll go on to Southampton. No incomings as of yet, but the one big, big bit of news is that they've made a bid of 25 million to make the loan of Armando Brozier a permanent deal. I'm not sure if Chelsea will be inclined to to accept that to be honest because I've seen things that Tuchel does possibly see him in his plans or at least he's going to give him a, give him an opportunity when he returns to to Chelsea to to kind of make a push for the first team and see if he can. Do you think Chelsea might accept that and have you been impressed with Armando Brozier because I have I think he's been really really solid this season yeah yeah really good I, not really someone I'd heard about before this season and really impressed with him to be honest and he seems like the the main man and like the focal point for Southampton in the last few weeks and obviously they've had new owners come in there's sort of like a a new mini revolution down there and he seems to be sort of the lead playing the leading role in that and yeah, I mean he was really good against Manchester City the other night really yeah. took the game by the scruff of the neck and and showed that he can do it against not only at this level but against the best teams as well and yeah it's sort of one of them where I'm not sure Newcastle will not sorry not Newcastle I'm not sure Chelsea will want to sell him on a on a permanent but you've seen it you've seen him do it before with the likes of Gwehi and obviously Tammy Abraham obviously these people have had a little bit more more experience with the Chelsea first team but I mean it's not something it won't be it won't be out of the character for Chelsea to agree to it no, and I think it comes down to really his character as well, and whether he does really see himself a few himself having a future at Chelsea, whether he's willing to maybe give up a few minutes to to push for it. But yeah, I think it comes down to the player and obviously the club as well. But I don't think even Southampton really kind of understood what they were getting with him because they'd obviously signed Adam Armstrong, didn't they, in the summer? And I think the idea was that Broya would come in. And be the kind of just shadow Armstrong, maybe come on, get a few minutes. And the first few games of the season, he didn't start, bro. Yeah. And he seems to have come in and really 
yeah, kind of led the team and kind of replaced Danny Ings, which was what Adam Armstrong was expected to do. Um, yeah, I, I, there's no incomings at the minute with Southampton, and I'm not seeing any links aside from Broya. I think they're having a solid season, aren't they, Southampton? Like they're yeah. definitely not going to be in a relegation battle. And no. I'm really, I'm a big fan of Ralph Hasenhutl. Always yeah. have been. I think he's a really, really solid, solid manager and flexible in his systems as well. And yeah, um, I think you'll be fine, Saints fans. We'll move on now to Tottenham. Don't know. I haven't seen much here with Tottenham. Do you know anything? I don't. No, I think the the most obvious one was maybe going to be Adama Traore, but yeah, that, yeah, even that seems to have cooled a little bit. I think I think Bruno Large has maybe maybe. It, made clear to him that he's actually really really part of his plans and he's probably seen a bit of light at the end of the tunnel and thought you know what with and I think Wolves fans it I think it goes for the whole of the Wolves fan base I mean it's been such a bright season under Bruno Large I mean I think many people when he came in maybe weren't sure about him probably thought maybe sort of a bit of a, a bit of a double of Nuno Spirito Santos similar sort of playing style similar sort of both from the Portuguese league but I mean, what a job he's done, and he's they've he's done it like under the radar, hasn't he? At Wolves, I mean, mm. slowly creeping up the table they've been, and now yeah. look at them now sitting around seventh in the league, and he plays. He's got them playing some really exciting football as well. And but defend. just to stick with Spurs, though, mate, we are on Spurs here. We'll get to Wolves. We'll yeah. get to Wolves. Um, obviously, that there's there is a name, Luis Diaz from Porto. He has yeah. been linked. I think it was forty six million. I think I was seeing abandoned about. Uh, I don't know how much truth there is to it. It's kind of it just seem very much like paper talk. Uh, it, it seems a little bit more than paper talk. I think there's definitely interest there from Spurs. I don't know much about him again, um, but yeah, with Adama Traore, it seems like it. It just seemed like it was going to happen that. Yeah. And he doesn't seem a massive part of Large's plans, does he? I mean, yeah, it'd be no. interesting to see. I think with Spurs, Conte. It, he ain't going to stay there unless he gets investment. And I'm sure he was brought in under the, the kind of proviso that he would get investment. And we've seen it before how sour it can go if he doesn't get what he wants or what he's been promised. So, yeah, I think it'd be interesting. And Spurs, I reckon they'll be kind of around where they are in the league at the minute. And I, I can't see them pushing for a Champions League spot, if I'm honest. Move on now to Watford. I don't know. I've not got much to offer here, to be honest. They've signed Hassan Kamar for Kamara from Nice, Samir from Udinese, Edo Kayembe from Upen, and Samuel Kalu from Bordeaux. Obviously, yeah. I don't know. Is, is there anything you can offer on those players? I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't aware that they signed any of them. To be honest. <laughs> yeah, neither. Neither. I mean, on on the surface, it looks like they've had a really good window. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see. Obviously. Roy Hodgson, got a quick few thoughts on that. Um, do you think he's the right man? And if I'm honest, he sees it weird. Like I just, this isn't the kind of club that the kind of squad that Hodgson's going to be used to managing. And right. Watford are very much a team that the manager doesn't have any say in the transfers. It's all done by the higher ups. And yeah. they often are these kind of unknown players, foreign talent as well. Saying that, Hodgson has got a lot of experience in in foreign countries. Um, so yeah, do you think Hodgson's the right appointment? I, I think for the time being, it's maybe the safest appointment they could have gone for to get them out of the position that they find themselves in. But um, I think in terms of the long term future, maybe Watford fans will maybe see it as a maybe a step back or something, maybe a 
but like you said on your uh, on the post you did the other day, it's sort of a back to basics sort of thing. Well, that's mm. what they've got to do in order to to save themselves at the moment. Once they've mm. done that, they can go into the summer and sort of pr- sort of plan ahead from there. I can't see Rodgers staying for any longer than the the four or five months that he's got until the end of the season. No, I'm not sure if his wife would permit as well. No. It seems to have. Uh, it's so funny those quotes. He said, literally, I think it was May last year. He was saying that I need to spend more time with my wife and my and my son and do more what they want to do. And instantly, <laughs> he's back in. I know you saw on the face on the on the page. I did, I put that Godfather quote. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. And that is yeah. what it's like with Roy Hodgson. He just can't stay away, can he? And yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. He's such a, I mean, I know the title race is over, but the relegation battle is wide open. Let's be honest, like these clubs aren't hanging about. No team there wants to stay in, obviously no team wants to stay in the, in the relegation battle, but there doesn't seem to be anyone that's kind of down and out yet. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Wolves, Hayo Kawabe from Zurich, undisclosed, Chikino from Estoril, Three million, and I think I oh know as Huang. Yeah, gone. Huang. They've signed him on a permanent now. It's weird that it says on here. It says out. It says an outgoing Huang He Chan. So yeah, they signed was, him on a permanent. Yeah, I think it was a sort of short-term loan. Then they've obviously they've took him straight back. So yeah, obviously um, they've obviously been impressed with what they've seen. I yeah, mean, the striker position has been uh, an issue somewhat. But just building on what you were saying before. Large has really impressed this season, hasn't he? And yeah. Maybe yeah, there wasn't too much they needed to bring in. Was there anything you, any areas that you, kind no, of? No, not particularly. I mean, if you look at the stats, I mean they've got the, they've got the second best defense in the Premier League this season. I mean that's, that's phenomenal. I mean to be fair, we've always, no matter what, what whether Wolves have been playing badly or or they've been in the good run of form under Nuno, they've always been sort of known and notorious for having a solid defence and a good foundation at the back there. I mean, I think Connor Cody's brilliant and what, what he does at the back for Wolves. I mean, he's such a great organiser, leader at the back for them and they've sort of always... You've seen the emergence of like Max Kilman, yeah, really good defender, really solid player and they've just sort of got a really good solid base there and they all they needed to do was sort of add that bit of flair into the team and sort of Get get fans off their seats a bit more at Molyneux, and I think Large has come in and done that, and he's brought in a couple of his own signings and got them playing a bit more adventurous when in transition. And as much, still, they don't score as enough as they could do, and maybe another couple of additions up the up the top yeah. of the pitch would help. But they've obviously got Pedro Neto to come back from injury still that he hasn't featured yeah. all season, so I think it's looking really positive. Yeah, yeah, and it's just building, isn't it? It's a building, and, and I think they've made far more progress than anyone could have imagined this season. And they, I mean, they are in a shout of, of a Champions League spot. I mean, I don't think they're going to... Yeah, exactly. You'll probably see them kind of fade away come the end of the season. But yeah, no, absolutely outstanding season. And it did always have a feeling under Nuno that he was almost limiting the players. And you, we all knew the squad they had, and they've got a really, really solid team. So yeah, they didn't need to bring many in 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 January but they seem to have brought, identified a few areas and and made the the appropriate um, movements uh, West Ham we missed but no incomings and one outgoing Connor Coventry to MK Dons on loan West Ham again having a really good season 
yeah. there wasn't really I don't know if you've seen any rumours that I haven't but was there really there wasn't really need to bring anyone in was there no I don't think so I think maybe they could have maybe explored the possibility of Jesse Lingard again but I mm. think that's one they'll go for on a permanent in the summer yeah right uh, yeah no I can't see anything or here about free transfer yeah no exactly right well just lastly what's the the best or your favourite um, transfer in the window so far just one that comes to your brain comes to your head hmm do you want me to go first? You I'm go first. first. Yeah, I'm going to go for not a Premier League one, but I'm going to go for Robin Gosens at in, going to Inter Milan from Atalanta. 25 million, and that's including add-ons as well. I think from what I've seen of this player, he's a real top player. And I've seen him, link, he was linked to Chelsea, he was linked to Leicester um, once, and I really wanted us to bring him in. We've seen Atalanta, it's kind of a hotbed of, of players at the minute, and Gasparini seems to just develop these these players that are, are kind of, they all seem to be players that can really play a role and just are kind of a cog within a team, but a really integral cog at that. And yeah, I think it would be a top signing if he can come back fit after his, I think he's had a hamstring injury. I think, yeah, yeah I think it could be really good. And I, I, I thought Chelsea would have been in for him as well if he was fit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go for one from the Serie A as well. I think Dusan Vlavic. Mm. Great signing of, followed him for quite a few months now and really sort of been impressed with him and been watching his progress closely and it's just a re- it's just a really great signing for Juventus I mean nothing more can no. be said than just watch just if anyone out there that hasn't watched him go and watch Juventus for the second half of the campaign and in the Champions League in the in the um in Serie A and just see how he gets on because he's a really exciting player yeah it really is the signing of the window isn't it that and like you said, it's so important. I think, um, as a, I know, as we're a Premier League kind of centric podcast, I think it's so important that we see these leagues kind of making these moves and ensuring that the Serie A's, the La Ligas, that they are keeping themselves afloat and keeping themselves competitive because things like the Champions League, etc., they're made by these teams and there's so much heritage. You want to see the likes of Inter, you want to see the likes of Juventus challenging. Um, but yeah I think we're going to round the episode off there guys and thanks for joining me Wes it's been really enjoyable that yeah really good mate thank you nice one yeah um, follow the podcast guys if you enjoyed it Uh, we'll be returning next week for another show obviously you can follow us on Instagram at Divided Opinion if you want to see some daily content match reports articles from myself and Westy and yeah thanks for joining us guys we'll speak to you soon